Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest-growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Chuck Morse here. Chuck Morse Speaks. Thanks for joining me, everyone. My guest this segment is author Jake McCandless. He's the founder, executive director, and speaker for Prophecy Simplified, a former pastor. McCandless has a Bachelor of Arts in Bible from Central Bible College in Conway, Arkansas, and a Master's of Divinity from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Jake, thanks for joining me this afternoon. And there we go. I'll get this right. Jake, how are you? Thanks for joining me. I am good. And Chuck, thanks for having me on. And I'm just uh, glad to talk with you, and I appreciate you fighting the good fight. My pleasure. Listen, your book um, is a spiritual prepper tapping into overlooked prophecies to prepare for your doomsday. And uh, before we get into the uh, the, the, the heart of the matter, um, I want to ask you more of a uh, kind of a general theological question, which is that um, when we talk about doomsday and we talk about end times, um, do we have a predetermined ability to affect the um, the date and time of that, or is this something that's been preordained, do you think, or do you believe? Uh, I would say both, <laughs> in a sense. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's a tough thing to see. Uh, one of the things that's very clear in Scripture is that God is sovereign and that his plans are not going to be thwarted. They're not going to be changed. And so I think in that sense, it's definitely it, – it's going to happen, and it's going to happen exactly the way he said but I think one of the things we have in Scripture is it's almost like we have both, we're on both sides of the curtain. Uh, we're seeing the workings beyond this world, and we're seeing the workings uh, just humanly speaking. And so I think we go out, we, we live our lives, we, we, we try to make the biggest difference we can, and we follow the Lord, you know, but ultimately his plans are going to prevail. You know, as a, a Jew who, stu- who studies uh, the Torah, at least casually, I'm not a rabbi, but um, – I've noticed that there is a trend there uh, in that when the children of Israel are holy and when they're doing right and when they're striving to uh, to be uh, you know the chosen people and to be a priestly sect, then God is with them and that they have victory and that they um, they're able to uh, take possession of the tiny swath of land that was granted them by God. But when they're doing badly, when they fall away from God, when they start to be tempted by the idols and the false false idols around them, that's when uh, they start losing ground. That's when they start to experience, you know, failure, and that's when they yeah. start to fall back. And that's a tension that runs throughout the all the writings, right up till the time of um, of Ezra. And uh, yeah. you know, to me, that tells me that we do have a certain amount of you know, not only free will, but but the ability to affect, uh, you know, positive um, change on Earth. You know, I suppose you might say. Well, that's a, that's a great point, and I think tension is really the key of understanding Scripture. I think Martin Luther taught a lot on that as well. But 
you, you take that, and I think with you have the different covenants running throughout the the Old Testament. You have, you know, Abraham was given this what I believe is an unconditional covenant that this land is going to belong to him and his descendants. But at the same time, you have this conditional covenant given there in the Torah to Moses that you can enjoy this land if you obey. And and right there, we have in Deuteronomy they're they're told that they are going to they are going to disobey. They are going to be carried away in exile. But then you have following with the prophets and and everything that goes on this constant call that hey, if you remain faithful, you're going you're going to enjoy the land. So I, I absolutely agree. It, it's a tension there, and and I believe that's a great parallel to where we're at. You know, ultimately we have been told what's going to happen, but we have this tension of being able to enjoy the blessings of God now based on how we live and our following of him. You know, I think that your message here is a very positive one, and it's one that I think sometimes religious people, when I say religious, I mean both Jew and Christian, that we are deceived into thinking that, you know, there's nothing we can do in this world to to be um, more spiritual and create a more spiritual world, to to do what they call in Hebrew, tikkun olaf, to make a better world. But, um, you know, by being spiritual, by being good, and by, by therefore influencing others to be good, that we basically, because everything is predetermined, we might as well forget about it, and there's a tendency to withdraw, and a tendency to sort of just look the other way and become insular and shut oneself off from the, um, you know, the, the, the politics and the, in a sense, the earthly, um, you know, social developments of our times. Yeah, that's a great. And I was thinking on that yesterday. It's, you know, it's like I said. I, I believe we have both sides of the curtain. We could live our life and, and with one aspect of scripture that we're just called to be faithful and obedient. I think you apply that to our nation that we're going to do all that we can uh, to make this good for our our kids and our grandkids and and just you know be the best people we can be and 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 share the Lord. But at the same time, we also have – we know how it's going to end, and that's one of the points I, I stress in Spiritual Prepper is I, t- I call them overlooked prophecies, but they're scriptures we're familiar with in the New Testament, but they're prophecies, and it's coming from this understanding, the authority of scripture, it's, it's going to occur. It's, it's not a if or maybe. They are going to occur, but in the meantime, we need to do all we can to be obedient and follow the Lord and enjoy his blessings now. You know, when I say that we can make a better world, I don't mean that in the sense that, you know, the secular left means it, in that they want to replace right. yeah, God know, with, a, with man. You know, this is, yeah. uh, the, the book of Genesis says that we're created in the image of God, both men and women, it says. And as such, we're imperfect beings, and we have to essentially look to the ultimate sovereign, the creator of the universe, the lawgiver, and that we are not really, doesn't give us a mandate to, to essentially rule over other people, to look toward human society. That's a form of idol worship. If we look toward God, and in the case of, of, of Christians, it's Jesus is the personal intercessor for God, then we, are, we can essentially create, change the world by being good people and by doing good acts, as opposed to um, you know, trying to force ourselves and create some sort of a false, utopia by trying to change human nature. But you talk about um, the uh, hidden prophecies. Uh, Jake, can you give us an example or two of that? Yeah, I, I, I focus on six. And really where I, I'm coming from, if, 
you hear anyone talk on prophecy, end-time prophecy, you're, you're thinking in things of the Antichrist or geopolitically, you know, what nation is, is he going to come from, what nation is going to be in power, where the United States is going to be, the mark of the beast, these, these different things. But Scripture also says a lot about where humanity will be and especially where Christians will be in their faith in regards to morality and faith at the end. And, and so I, I look at six different verses there in the New Testament that are familiar, but we may not think of them as, as prophecy per se. Uh, one such one is in, in 2 Timothy 4, uh, in verses 3 and 4, it talks about a time where people will no longer put up with sound doctrine. Rather, they will gravitate uh, to something that just helps them fulfill their own desires and their own passions. And uh, so that's a something that's going to happen, but we also need to look at it as a prophecy that we we're warned by because we could be sucked into that. And Second sure. Peter 3 talks about that there will be scoffing at the ways of God and at Christians. Uh, but the one that really captured me and the reason I, I especially wrote the book is in Matthew 24.10. It, it talks about there will be a time when many turn away. And I, as a pastor, I'm looking out my congregation and working with people day in and day out and just wondering, have I prepared them enough for when this time comes or if this time is here, if they will stand strong and remain faithful? Well, you know, this is something I was going to, I want to get to also, and I wanted to ask you this next, because you, uh, the Spiritual Prepper, your book, which is available at Amazon and at major bookstores, uh, you is called A Guide to Families and Churches Who Need Encouragement in the Face of Loved Ones who have turned away from God and their faith. Uh, as the fallen word races toward the day of judgment, fallen world, the time to be prepared spiritually is now. So I guess my question is, and maybe your book will help, how do we reach people that are our loved ones, members of our family, friends, acquaintances, uh, colleagues, who have turned away from uh, you know, the holy, who have turned away from God, yeah. who are not, it's not necessarily that they're not believers. That's one thing. That's, I mean, we all struggle with, with faith. But that they are, you know, they're, they're justifying and rationalizing um, behavior that's less than holy. How do we reach them? Oh, that's, that, that is a great question. And I think that hits the heart of uh, probably many of your listeners, and I know those who I work with, and uh, one of the stats that just was staggering to me, I, make, I became a good friend out with uh, author David Sanford out of Portland, Oregon, and he had been just on a campaign for years going back to his 2008 book, uh, If God Disappears, where he was charting that right now there's 42 million professed Christians who once were involved in a church and practicing their faith who, know, who say and, and admit they're no longer practicing at all. And so that, that's going to mm-hmm. hit across the board and all of our families and all of our friends. And, we're also, and you know, you hear numbers, and that means one thing. But as a pastor, my number one conversation daily in the community and just and people in general, it would be something like, Pastor, there was a time when I, you know, I, I came to church, I walked with the Lord, I was faithful, and then this happened in my life. Or, you, Pastor, you didn't do this, and you hurt my feelings with this. Or I went through this tragedy, and I, I've, I've stepped away. And so there's this reality of this is happening just in, in real life. And so that's hitting all of us. And I, I think the, one of the number one things that we can do is not give up. But I, I think, and one of the things mm-hmm. I'm trying to stress throughout the book, I give a list of 25 ways to prepare yourself. But one of the biggest ones is just realizing this is going on. I think in American Christendom, we, we don't 
think enough about the difficulties. We don't think enough about the, just the day-in and day-out challenges we face, and it's hard. I mean, I, I've been there in moments, you know, and I've had struggles, and I have daily struggles, is realizing that's what our loved ones are going through, and we need to love them in that and, and not give up on them, uh, but also realize that could be us and, and put ourselves in their shoes. Of course. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It has to be approached with care, with love, uh, you know, when, in a sense, you're, when you identify failures and you identify evil, it has to be done without hubris, without arrogance, but with humbleness and with, yeah. you know, a sense of of um, awareness that, you know, we're all sinners and that, um, you know, it's yeah. not a holier-than-thou attitude. If anything, it's the opposite. It's saying that we're we're imperfect beings, you know, uh, and that, uh, you, you know, the, the, in a sense, the key to the kingdom is to identify, as you say, you know, the nature yeah. of failings as a way to repair it. Or at least acknowledge that it's not good and you know, don't try to, like, you know, there's a lot of rationalization that tries to sort of, I think it's driven by guilt, to try to rationalize and to declare that which is evil is good. And that, after all, is what Satan is all about. Yeah, yeah, and that's in my live events through Prophecy Simplified, and I do the sum in the book. Is I really try to stress is is looking at how you know if if we believe any part of Scripture is true, then we have to see that it calls for this life just being a temporal moment, and especially even in this age, is looking at what is to come, uh, especially for the Christian, but for for all the the life to come, and and looking towards that. And I, I know for me. When I, I cross into eternity, uh, the, the thing that I am going to more than ever have wish I remained faithful and continued to walk in obedience with the Lord. And, and I think that's something that we've just kind of thrown out the, the wayside here in our nation and, and, and American Christendom is, is that it's, it's, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now. God's forgiving, and he is. But I think personally we are going to greatly regret I feel like the guy, like my parents, who so often – said, you know, clean your room now so that when something fun comes up, you can go do it. And I, I think now we're we're living this life as all mm-hmm. that's all there is and not preparing, you know, for the eternity to come. Okay, my guest is Jake McCandless. The book is Spiritual Prepper, Tapping into Overlooked Prophecies to Prepare You for Doomsday. Uh, you know, Jake, we are in a sense bombarded by the same uh, – I guess you'd call it in the broad sense secular, although, I mean, I don't really see a separation between secular and faith, but maybe you should say say anti-biblical tendencies that I think Jesus himself faced in his own time. Um, In fact, uh, you know, it's interesting that there's a movement in in the state of Israel right now by by rabbis and by uh, Jewish uh, thinkers to call for a reconvening of a, um, of a hearing and, and a trial for Jesus because Jesus was the firstborn son under Jewish law. He is entitled to this. And because during his lifetime, this sort of judgment was passed by, the, by uh, you know, so-called rabbis in the day, but they were actually very corrupt. They were Romanized. You know, the Israel was gripped by, by extreme secularism and that they, uh, they misjudged him. And uh, th- there's a sense of wanting to revisit that, even though obviously it's 2,000 years later. And, uh, but, but I guess my point is that, uh, you know, he lived at a time when that's similar to ours. 
you know, he was surrounded by essentially the uh, the, the negative um, anti-God uh, clique had taken over control of the society and that they were, you know, they controlled the high ground. You know, they decided what was uh, disseminated and what wasn't. They influenced in a strong way the children of the of the country. I mean, they controlled education. And, uh, you know, and yet Jesus stood up to it and his ministry stood up to it and he said, I answer to a higher authority. And by doing so, he changed the world. I think that today we have that same inspiration in that religious Christians and religious Jews are under siege as well. You know, we are minimized and attacked. And what's worse is that they are infiltrating our churches and our synagogues. You know, I mean, I'm sure this is why you mentioned in your your brief here that the attendance is down. You know, I mean, people aren't going anymore because they're changing the meaning of the scripture. They're leaving the words in place. But they changed the meaning and they're replacing it with, I guess you might call it a, do- a doctrine of, quote, social justice, unquote, you know, instead of charity, yeah. instead of doing good. I mean, that's just a euphemism for socialism. And, yeah, um, and, absolutely. and I think that's why people are, are turning, their, turning their backs to it or they're embracing something that's false. Yeah, and that's out of these overlooked prophets I, I share. Uh, Three of them deal exactly with false teaching, and and I w- I'm blown away when I read through the New Testament that the number one warning, it's almost in every book, uh, maybe all but one, is a warning against false teaching. And, and you know, there is a church on every – a different kind of church on every uh, street corner. There is a – you know, you can turn on the TV, you can turn on blog radio, you can turn on – uh, your radio, and you can find any type of preaching you want to hear and teaching. Uh, the thing is, not all of it can be correct. Yeah, I think that's one of the number one things we've been warned about is this, and and it's just and it grows. You know, you can be off, you know, with one generation just a hair, and but as that moves forward, it just grows and grows further away from the truth. And I think that's one of the dangers. And and it's just all around us. We're hearing that. We're in a time that is the most biblically illiterate of all of history, which amazes me with all the resources we have at at our disposal. But so as Christians, and that's one of the chapters of my book, is churches in America are not preparing for what may come, for the challenges we face now, but especially those prophesized challenges. And Mm -hmm. one of the areas is, is we just don't have a biblical base of truth as we need. Well, you know, the country was founded on a biblical base of truth, and yet the Bible has been banned from the public square. It has been scorned. You know, the Bible talks about, particularly in the Torah and in the writings, the temptation toward idol worship, toward the the graven image, the false image. And we think, well, that must have been something that was only applicable back then. But, in fact, it is as applicable today as ever. The Bible, the the, the oh, idol yeah. worshiping, is something that's the worship of a false god, of a false, uh, you know, of a misdirection, of a falsehood, and it is our job as religious people to identify the nature of that falseness and draw it out and expose it, so that people can then judge it with the understanding and the trust that people are intelligent enough and and aware enough to make that judgment. Absolutely, and and that's another thing I point out in the book is I've got a a chapter called Prepping for Shiny Things, and and one of the things I walk through, and I've heard you mention this in some of your previous shows, John Bunyan's uh, 
Pilgrim's Progress, and mm-hmm. one of the uh, chapters he has in there is on Vanity Fair, where he is on this journey. You know, he's he's his life is representing a Christian's life, and he's headed towards the celestial city on the narrow path, and he comes to this the city that's been set up that has everything you can imagine in entertainment and materialism and possessions. And he, he talks about how that travelers who are headed down that right path come into that city and they get so just a number enamored with all the things that are there that they no longer move forward. And, and I don't know if there's a better picture of America is just we have so much that we can enjoy things that are good, maybe in their, their selves, but they just blind yep. us to what lies ahead, and we just pause on that on this journey that is meaningful and that we need to take, and we just pause and we just savor the things that are only temporal and miss the internal. Yeah, I mean, we're blind to that which is self-evident, and you say that we're living for today. It's the uh, the Greek hedonism, the um, you know the, the one yeah. of the Greek schools of philosophy that that the only thing that's real, the only thing that matters, is that which you can experience with your sense and that it's happening now it's 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 the philosophy of earthly pleasure as the ultimate virtue yeah. I and mean, that's the ethos i think that became very much predominant starting in the 1960s but it's one of those things that cycled its way through history every generation deals with it because we all deal with it in our own lives uh and you know believe and a faith gives us a a constitution a sense of restraint and also a belief and an understanding that um, the laws of nature and nature's God come from a higher source than man. You know, we don't make these things up. They exist. And they can, you know, they're self-evident, as Thomas Jefferson said in the Declaration of Independence, you know, that um, we're endowed by the creator, God, not by the state. So, you know, I think that that generally speaking, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that your book contributes to... to, uh, uh, you know, enlightening people, uplifting people, and realizing that, uh, and understanding that there's something bigger in life than just that we're not just a bag of bones, that there's something bigger than just uh, what you experience right in the day, is going to lead to a much more happier and more fulfilling life. Oh, I appreciate that plug, because that, that's my hope, is is that we would do things now and, and prepare now so that when those challenges came, we come. And I think we, with everything in life, you have to prepare and think about the situation before it occurs or you're just going to get caught up in it. And one of the, just really my, my hopes uh, through all of this is that we would – and I use the word doomsday there in the subtitle, the tapping into overlook mm-hmm. prophecies to prepare you for doomsday. But doomsday is really a play on words. I mean – Yes, I believe there is going to be a doomsday-like end of this age, uh, but ultimately the worst doomsday is your spiritual doomsday, and that's really what is stressed through the book is, you know, we we you have so much physical prepping going on, which is a good idea with the shape the world is in, but I mean even with that, you can only add a few more years to your life uh, versus doing things to prepare to have the best spiritual life and eternal life moving forward. Well, you know, what you're saying makes basic common sense and that we should be sort of developing a checklist for both physical and spiritual survival, let alone yeah. growth. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a standard, or at least it was a standard at different times in history, but we don't think about the spiritual anymore. And we're basically told to look upon such matters scornfully as some kind of a superstition, um, you know, and, and to separate out 
uh, science from faith, which is not possible because they're, right. they're coexistent. I mean, science is the study of God's world. Uh, you know, so um, anyway, uh, talk a little bit because we're reaching the end of the segment, Jake. Uh, talk about uh, where people can get your book, a little bit more about your book. Yeah, the the book actually uh, releases April 4th, and you can find it at uh, WMD Superstore. I, I encourage folks to check that out. Awesome resources out of uh, WMD Books. Uh, it actually, mm-hmm. Amazon has, has released it early, so if you want a copy now, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, but coming up April 4th, you can find it on WMD Superstore, Barnes & Noble. You can find it in-store in Barnes & Noble and some select uh, bookstores. And I encourage folks to also check out uh, my website, prophecysimplified.com. Uh, we have been partner with churches just across the country, uh, just really working with congregations and pastors just to encourage to, a simple look at what Scripture says about what's coming in the future. And in a way that we, we don't start with current events, we start with what's in Scripture and, and try to build mm-hmm. a base of knowledge that when these current events come across headlines, that the congregation themselves can look at that and begin to make those connections. Well, I mean, it's certainly something that I hope you reach out to other pastors around the country and and get them involved because we're talking about a significant change in worldview here, you know, an understanding yeah. of the importance of the of morality and and faith and 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 restraint and to uh, to know these things to identify these things without any fear of uh, of attack, you know, and just. Uh, you know, it's a good thing to have. It's a good primer of support in that endeavor, in the endeavor of studying what I think is the obvious. Yeah, it is the obvious, but you know in America right now, common sense is out the window. I, I know another book coming out of the WMD is called Snap, The Snapping of the American Mind, and that seems like what has happened. And so, I mean, it really is just common sense. And But it's a subject that's on others' minds. There's uh, been a couple of books. Uh, one just recently came out uh, on, on the same issue. And I, I kind of – I approach it from a just a real personal view. I mean, a real per- – as you read through the book, you can find real-life stories that just really connect you with how this is playing out. And, and really one of my hopes, as you said, that this would be something that pastors and church leaders would – could come across and just begin to – it's not a complete change of the of mindset, but it just begins to shape it. And, and one of the ways it did for me is, as a pastor, one of the things that I tried to do is be there with, with those in my congregation who are going through health problems, surgeries, and things like that. And, you know, my prayer for them was always, number one, that there would be healing, that there would be a successful surgery, that they would be protected. And as I began to do this study, uh, my heart then changed that my first prayer became – Lord, through this difficulty that they're facing, Lord, I pray that they would hold on to you. Because it's when these difficulties arise, these things where we can question our faith or just feel like God abandoned us, is that's when the th- when we just give up. And, and there's going to come a day when we greatly regret giving up. Well, you know, even the, most of the scientific community will admit that prayer and, uh, and reflection is healing and that uh, yeah. there can't be a better time for it. Now, just briefly, I want to mention, um, you know, because I do a political column and a political show, that I think that, you know, not to go too political here, but um, the election of Donald Trump, I think, has unleashed a spiritual reawakening. It kind of reminds me of the uh, the second awakening that, that led to the American Revolution. Um, and that, that it's an opportunity to, uh, to to kind of bring out moral questions and 
talk questions of individual sovereignty and the God and and the, the purpose of, of of nationhood and and a lot of very important issues and the incredible fierce opposition to uh, to this president I think is a reflection of what we're up against um, in, both in this country and around the world these entrenched powers that I think are anti-biblical and they're not going to give up they're not going to take it lightly you know yeah yeah underlining everything and, and Revelation 12 if someone wants to look up a, a passage in scripture and read about this talks about this war that's that's gone on since creation and uh, it just that's under the undercurrent behind everything that goes on and and so we're we're seeing that played out in politics, of of course. And you know, I, I'm excited about some of the things that that Trump has done, especially as Supreme Court nominee. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. but I think it's just kind of ironic for America that is when someone like like Trump, from his background and just some of the statements sure. and things that he's done in the past, begins to want to be the one who's making sense. Uh, I, well, I, he a, a year or two ago, I was freedom. reading some articles. Yeah, yeah, it, it's. You know, why would anybody be against making America great again? You know, why, why would exactly. anybody? And be he also against, believes in. Uh, you know, he wants to have the government not interfere in the right of people to practice their faith and not try to tinker yeah. with that. And everybody, I think that religious people understand that. Anyways, um, yeah, I, Jake McCandless, yeah. I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. The book is Spiritual Prepper: Tapping into Overlooked Prophecies to Prepare for Prepare You for Doomsday. Available at WND Books, available at Amazon, available at bookstores. Jake, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. It was a great conversation. Thank you. All right, take care. You bet. Bye-bye. Okay, great. Thanks. And I shall return in the future with Chuck Moore Speaks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. Before you lies a beautiful meadow. In that meadow, Progressive Direct has placed its auto insurance rates alongside those of competitors. You select the lowest rate and feel a great sense of calm. A great sense of Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates so you can rest easy. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy.